Welcome to the Layman's Homily Podcast. I'm Tony D'Arienzo. In this week's episode, we'll be talking about sacrifice. What is a sacrifice? Where do we see examples in Scripture? And how do we sacrifice in our daily lives? All this and more on Layman's Homily. Welcome back to the podcast. As always, we have a packed show for you. So let's dive right in. So what is a sacrifice? I would define sacrifice as an offering, a giving of oneself in some way. In fact, I'd even call it the heart of communion, of relationship, of worship. All these things are really impossible without without offerings, without sacrifice. Sacrifices have to cost something to the giver. Otherwise, it's not really a sacrifice, is it? We'll talk about all these a little bit more as we go through some examples in Scripture. So, moving on to the next question, where do we see sacrifices in Scripture? Everywhere. Everywhere in Scripture. Because like I said, it's the heart of communion. And it's the heart of worship. Um, so beginning right in the first few chapters of Genesis, you see Cain and Abel um, both making offerings to the Lord. So Cain offers fruit of the earth, and Abel offers the firstlings of his flock. And Abel's offering, Abel's sacrifice is accepted by God, but Cain's is not. Now why is that? It goes back to this uh, having to cost something to the giver, right? It has to cost something. And Abel's does, because Abel's is the first fruits. It's the first, it's the things that are the biggest. It's not out of his surplus, like Cain's. Cain's is more of out of his surplus. It's not the best that he has. But Abel gives the best that he has to, to God. And that's why his is accepted and Cain's is not. So we see see something sort of starting to play out here. Sacrifice, yeah, has to cost something. It has to be the best that we have. Moving on to the next example, we see Abraham offering up his own son, Isaac, um, as a holocaust. You know, God prevents him from doing so eventually, but... He tells him to, God tells him to offer Isaac, and Abraham does not refuse to do so, right? His own son, Isaac, you know, that's definitely a, that would cost something, right? Um, It has to cost something to give her. And as a result, we see God blessing Abraham, right? It's, it's It's this deepening of this relationship. God knows through this through this sacrifice that that Abraham is going to be faithful to to him. And that's why Abraham receives the title our father in faith as we mentioned in last week's episode on faith. Um the next example um is the Passover lamb. Um and one thing that you know a lot of people don't really talk about in the Passover is that 
in in the Passover ritual, the family, um, the the one of the ha- household in Israel, they would keep the the Passover lamb for a week in their home, so um, that they would grow attached to it, be kind of like a pet, and then and then only after that, then they'd sacrifice it. So it's costing something. It's costing something um, for for them to to receive their salvation um, from the Israel from the Egyptians. Um, you, you sense in that theme here. You sense in the theme of sacrifice costing something. I hope so, because um, it's going to continue um, into the New Testament, and so obviously you have Christ's sacrifice on the cross but before that you have um the poor widow the story of the poor widow's contribution so this is in the synoptic gospels um they're at the temple and the jesus and his disciples they observe um, people dropping in their offerings um to the temple treasury and so they see some of these rich wealthy people just bringing in vast sums of money um, from their surplus but this poor widow comes along and she drops in two little pennies or two little small coins and Jesus watches watches this and he sees it and he tells his disciples amen I say to you like this woman this poor widow she's contributed more than any of the other people because yeah they're bringing in lots of money but they're bringing it from their surplus Versus this woman, this poor widow, she, like these two coins, like that costs her a lot more than, than the, the rich people having to dump it in, you know, thousands of dollars or whatever, right? So again, it's this idea of the sacrifice having to cost something. Um, and then, yeah, of course, Christ's ultimate sacrifice on the cross costs him his life. And, right, he even remarks on this, right? Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that's from John 15, verse 13, right? So Jesus is saying, right, to lay down one's life, that is the ultimate sacrifice. And, yeah, it's at this heart of this relationship, greater love. What's the mark of a relationship? Love. What is the mark of worship? Love. And at the heart of this is sacrifice. Giving of oneself. Um, in some way. And obviously the ultimate way is to give their, your entire self. Um, your life. Um, so whatever vocation you're called to, you can see you, you should be living some sort of sacrifice. Right? In marriage, like... There's this sacrifice that's going on, right? The, the man gives himself entirely to his wife, and his wife in, gives herself entirely to um, her husband. And like priesthood, the priest gives himself entirely to the people of his parish or of his community. Um, any vocation, it's the same way. Um, so yeah, it's at the heart, and that's... That's sacrifice. 
So now how do we, how do we sacrifice? How do we live this out? How do we give of ourselves and, you know, make something, make an offering that costs something to us? Um, Well, Mother Teresa offers this. She says, do small things with great love. Do small things with great love. So, yeah, it doesn't have to be big, like, you know, dying, like jumping in front of a bullet uh, to save someone. I mean, if you're called to that, then by all means, go ahead. But, I mean, most of us are probably not (laughs) going to have to have that sort of heroic sacrifice. But these these small things, like, you know, taking out the trash for... Your, your roommate or helping helping out with the dishes with your um, with your parents or with your wife or something um, any anything can be a sacrifice um, yeah anything can be a sacrifice um, as long as it's done with the right intent and as long as it caught co- it, it costs something to you um, yeah so some examples. Um, setting time apart for God, um, like for instance, you know, you schedule like a holy hour um, in front of the Blessed Sacrament um, for adoration, um, and you know, set that time out of your week and commit to it, and say, okay, you know, if something else comes up, no, I'm, I'm not, I can't, I can't do it because I've set this time apart for God. Um, Another thing, tithing, so financial contributions. Um, yeah, the first the first fruits of your of your income should go to the church, um, and then you know you can do other other donations as well, um, such as you know contributing to like missionaries or uh, that, that's what I do is as I contribute to uh, supporting some focused missionaries. Um, but you can do other things like, you know, donate things to goodwill, give like a little care package to, um, a homeless man on the street, right? These small things, um, are, are good and they're sacrifices. Um, and then dedicating, dedicating things you do to God, um, like for instance, when you go into the into the office and just say, "God, like this time, this time I'm working, like I dedicate this to you. I offer this to you, um, or I offer this on behalf of to you on behalf of somebody else, somebody in need." Um, or you're gonna it doesn't have to even be work or something uh, boring, or it can even be something fun like i'm going hiking like you go hiking or something and you say god i'm i offer this time this it's good this good time uh to you um and and it sanctifies us by offering offering our time um the things that we do to god um and of course it doesn't have to just be to god you can sacrifice um things that you want to do for the sake of somebody else. So for instance, like you're trying to decide on what you want to watch um, with your roommate and you might want to watch, 
you know, this, this movie and then your roommate might want to watch something else. So maybe instead sacrifice, okay, what? Now, that doesn't mean be a doormat but it, and get walked over, but it does mean, you know, being willing to sacrifice and, and say, okay, like this time, like I'll let you, let you pick. Um, so... Um, so yeah, those are some examples of how we can sacrifice in our daily lives. Um, and the main reason I wanted to talk about sacrifice this week is because Memorial Day weekend is coming up and in the United States and Memorial Day is, we remember, uh, all those who sacrifice their lives, um, on the battlefield, um, for our country so that we, we in the United States can live free. Um, live in a country um, of freedom. So um, just remember, like, take some time in World Day weekend to really, like, remember the fallen, remember those who gave up their lives, um, who made the ultimate sacrifice of their lives um, so that we can live um, such a blessed life. Um, so remember to, yeah, to pray for, pray for those souls Um and to pray for all of our military. Um, yeah. And that's all, I, that's all we got for the main segment this week. Um, so now we want to talk about the cloud of witnesses. So the cloud of witnesses this week, actually we're going to talk about three feasts. Um, so we have the cloud of witnesses segment. Um, for those of you who might just be listening on this, this episode being your first episode, um, you listen to um, the cloud of witnesses is where we talk about the upcoming feasts and some of the upcoming feasts and saints um, for the week. And this week uh, we're gonna do we're gonna jump ahead a cup. Well, this week and next week because we're not gonna have a podcast next week because of Memorial Day weekend. So. With that, with that being said, um, the first thing I want, to, first feast I want to talk about is the Solemnity of the Ascension. So this is traditionally celebrated 40 days after Easter Sunday, because in Scripture, um, Jesus ascends 40 days, ascends into heaven 40 days after Easter. Um, however, in the U.S., most dioceses move move this feast, move the solemnity to the following Sunday. Um, because, you know, most people don't go to, can't make it, or either can't make it or don't go to a Thursday Mass. So the church, so the diocese in the U.S. deciding, well, let's just put it on a Sunday. And then people can, everybody can, is going to go to a Sunday anyway. So, um... In Europe, I think in European countries, most of most of them do still celebrate it on the actual day of the Ascension, and I'm pretty sure it's a holy day as well, holy day of obligation. In European countries, it's not here in the U.S. because it's on a Sunday typically, and you're you're already going anyway on a Sunday. So, um. Obviously, it commemorates Christ's ascension into heaven. Um, why, why is this important? Um, 
it means he's no longer just a localized presence. If he had stayed on the earth, like, and he would, he would just be just walking around like in Palestine and like modern, well, in Israel and and that would be it. But now, since he's ascended, he's can be everywhere, right? He's not just he's not just a localized presence, and it says the state sets the stage for us to live mission, to live our calling in His name, to spread to spread the good news in His name. Um, it allows us to be the body of Christ, to be the hands, the feet, the voice of Christ um, in in this world that desperately needs to hear his voice. Um, so that's, so that's the Ascension. Um, then on May 30th, so actual Memorial Day this year, um, we celebrate St. Joan of Arc, who's actually not on the liturgical calendar, unfortunately, but she's a very popular saint and, um, people, a lot of people, both Catholic and non-Catholic, even not not even Christian, like really like love Saint Joan of Arc. Um, she was born in the year fourteen twelve to peasant parents in France. Um, she heard voices of the saints at an early age. That's pretty cool. Uh, she became a soldier at the sixteen years of age, very young. Um, and she fought in many battles for the French. Um, but then she was unfortunately captured um, by Burgundy um, and sold to England. And yeah, England and France, they don't really like each other. So that's, that's fun. She was tried as a heretic and a witch in an illegal trial uh, by the English. Um, and she was, during this trial, she was able to escape um, word complex word traps despite being illiterate um, throughout so throughout this whole trial she they couldn't find any evidence to incriminate her but it didn't matter she was condemned to death um, sounds like Christ um, a little bit um, she was burned at the stake uh, as a heretic in 1431. So only not even 30 years old. Um, and then to make matters worse, um, after she was burned, they burned her body two more times after she was already dead um, and her, so that the no relics could be uh, taken. Um and then her ashes were thrown into the Seine River. And then, then it wasn't until four, the year 1456 that she was declared innocent of heresy. She's beatified in 1909, but then she's canonized in 1920. So there's a whole process about beatification, canonization. I'm not going to go into that now, but... So a long time after she was dead... She became a canonized saint. Um, 
and she is the patroness of soldiers and of France. Um, so basically, if you go into any church in France, um, you're more than likely going to see a statue or painting or something of Joan of Arc. Um, actually, even in even in New Orleans, um, because she's the you know she's from the maid she's the maid of Orleans. Um, so uh, yeah, Saint Joan of Arc. Very wonderful saint. Um, and now, I wanted to talk about this last last feast that I want to talk about is the visitation of the Blessed Virgin Mary to Elizabeth. And that we celebrate on May 31st, the next day. Um, so, story is, can be found in Luke chapter 1. And in this story, Mary visits um, her cousin, Elizabeth, whom she had just found out um, from the angel Gabriel, was pregnant with St. John the Baptist. So she visits Elizabeth in the hill country of Judea, which in the old times under you know, King David would have been the, tri- the land belonging to the tribe of Judah. And... As soon as she visits Elizabeth and here and greets her, uh, Saint John the Baptist, and the infant in Elizabeth's womb, he leaps in the womb, so he's jumping for joy, and Elizabeth, filled with that same joy, exclaims, "Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb." And if you're wondering where you've heard that before, it's probably, um, you're, you're right, you have heard it before, if you ever prayed the Hail Mary prayer. And Mary's response to this is to reflect that praise back to the Lord and the Magnificat, which is one of the most beautiful prayers, most beautiful, um, yeah, most beautiful prayers in all of Scripture. Uh, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Uh, Mary, in her humility, reflects this praise back to the Lord. And we, we can learn from that um, by reflecting any praise that we receive back to the Lord. Um, the two, two main things that I wanted to talk about with regards to the visitation is, number one... It proves that Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant. So, what do I mean by that? So, in the Old Testament, you had you know you have the mystical Ark of the Covenant, Indiana Jones finds in Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, right? Great, great documentary. Just kidding. Uh, but so, in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant um, contained. The, the manna, it contained three things. The manna from heaven, which God rained down on the people of Israel during their desert wanderings. Uh, the, the word of God as on the stone tablets, which had the Ten Commandments. And the staff of Aaron, symbolizing um, the priesthood, uh, the, the Levitical priesthood. And so the new ark, Mary, contains 
the bread from heaven, Jesus, Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, or we, we, Jesus who gives himself as bread in the Eucharist, um, the word of God, Jesus Christ, again, the word made flesh, as John's gospel points out, and the eternal high priest, also Jesus, um, who, again, sacrifices himself, uh, offers himself as the sacrifice um, on the cross, or who will do that. Um, and then also look at Second um, Samuel chapter 6. So in this chapter, um, David, this King David um, leaps before the ark, just like John the Baptist leaps before the new ark. Um, and then David says, how is it that the ark of the Lord should come to me? Um, which is a phrase that we hear Elizabeth say um, right after she says, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Uh, how is it that the mother of the, the mother of my Lord should come to me? And lastly, the ark stays in the hill country of Judah for three months. So in, in this second Samuel, um, at, so they leave it in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, um, which is in the hill country of Judah, which is where Elizabeth would later live, right? In the hill country of Judea. For, and, Mary, and Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months, um, it says in, in, the, in the Gospel of Luke, in the story of the visitation. So, pretty awesome, right? Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant. So, um, really think about that and let that sink in. Um, the other thing I want to talk about that we learn in the visitation is that Mary crushes the head of the serpent. Um, so, in Genesis um, chapter 1, or no, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, um, God says to the serpent, um, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head. He will crush your head while you strike his heel. Um, the, it could also be translated as she will crush the head. Um, so, so Mary crushes the head of the serpent, right? So, We've talked of, you know, a couple of times here that Elizabeth explained, has exclaimed, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. So there are only two other times in Scripture where the phrase, Blessed art thou among women, is used. Um, and so one of those is in the book of Judges, um, where this woman, Jael, drives a tent peg into the temple of Sisera. So Sisera is a general in, in uh, I forget which army, but he's like the, the leader, commander of the army that's oppressing the Israelites, and JL drives a tent peg into his head and kills him. And afterwards, um, 
Deborah, who was the judge at the time, sings this song of praise and says, Blessed, blessed is Jael among women. So uh, that's fun. And then the other, the other time is in the book of Judith. So Judith, the hero, hero, heroine of the book, she um, beheads Holofernes, who is the general of King Nebuchadnezzar's army in um, a King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and he's oppressing the people. Uh, they're about to kill the people, destroy the people of Israel, and Judith sneaks in and beheads him. And after this, uh, the people sing, uh, "Blessed, blessed is Judith among women." Right? Blessed art thou among women. Um. So, and then the obviously the other time is Elizabeth saying, "Blessed art thou among women," to Mary. So, who? Who would Mary be crushing the head of the the ancient serpent? Um, so again, you know, if you're ever tempted, you know, by the devil, or tempted by these, you know, if you're in temptation, like trust in Mary, and she'll she'll crush the head of the serpent for you. Okay, so that's the end of the cloud of witnesses segment. Um, now we'll move into the Lyrical Lift, um, which this week is the song Tear in My Heart by 21 Pilots. Um, the first line in this song is, sometimes you've got to bleed to know that you're alive and have a soul. And this line kind of ties into this whole thing that we've been talking about, about sacrifice. Bleeding is a sacrifice, right? You're giving, you're literally giving of yourself. You're giving your losing this blood like blood is a part of you um and it's actually only when you give of yourself that you're living your humanity fully right that's kind of what this line is saying you got to bleed to know that you're alive right when you give of yourself you know you're living your humanity fully um because when we do so when we do give of ourselves we're living in the image of the one who showed us how to live humanity to the full. That same one who sacrificed himself for us on the cross. And that will do it for this week's episode. So reminder, no podcast next week due to Memorial Day weekend. So all of you have a blessed and fulfilling Memorial Day weekend. Enjoy time. Um, going to do something fulfilling, life-giving to you. Um, and remember those who have sacrificed so that we can have these this holiday and get to do things that are life-giving um, to us. Uh, a few final things before we wrap up. First, if you liked what you heard or even if you didn't, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a five-star review. This will help us reach out, reach more people and get the good news out to a world which desperately needs to hear it. Second, we want to hear from you, dear listeners. If you have questions about anything we've discussed on this episode, previous episodes, or anything in general, please send them via email to laymanshomily at gmail.com. That's L-A-Y-M-A-N-S-H-O-M-I-L-Y at gmail.com. And finally... 
please pray for us and know that we are praying for you through the intercession of the patron of this podcast, St. Joseph. God bless you this week, and we look forward to speaking to you all in two weeks. This has been the Layman's Homily.